0: Okay, so uh, back at it.
1: We are back at it. Welcome back to another edition of the Pistols Firing Podcast. I am Carson Cunningham, joined as always by Colby
0: Powell. Colby, we got Boise State tomorrow night, man. I'm fired up. Uh, We do. Late game, 8 o'clock. We're going to be burning the midnight tequila with a little Oklahoma State football.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, it's going to be a late night, and uh, i got to be a Norman for the OU Nebraska game oh. early, 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 early. So I'm going to be have a full, full day tomorrow. So, but that's exciting. I, I'm, I love it when they don't play at the same time, so I get to watch both games in full. So 8 o'clock kick in Boise under the lights on the Smurf turf. We'll, we will definitely break that down. We have a lot of other things to discuss as well. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at com get you some osu gear we got basketball season rapidly approaching you're going to want to have the latest basketball gear the the coaches polos they put out are, are awesome as well chris's can hook you up with any and all apparel needs you need for oklahoma state and, and much more so be sure to shop at chrisuniversityspirit.com colby before we get into boise i think it was an important week for oklahoma state uh you know we had the video of john smith Knocking down lockers with a hammer because they're building a new state of the art locker room for the wrestling program, amongst other upgrades you and I have discussed over the past few weeks. But Chad Weiberg, uh, oh, she started to do this podcast, the Orange Power podcast, where Mike Gundy and Chad Weiberg spoke this week. He talked a lot about realignment and just the stability it brings. And uh, he, he talked about Dr. Shrum and how great she was through this process and really just the stability that these four programs coming into the Big 12 will provide. Just what were your thoughts on on all the things that uh, Chad had to say?
0: Yeah, I thought it was mostly, uh, mostly generic, but there were a couple of things in there that I thought were good. He said that, you know, everybody throughout the entire process, especially the coaches, were all very, very forward, very supportive, very much, you know, we're going to be here, we're going to make this work. And one thing he talked about that I totally agreed with was the worst part of the whole thing was When you were just in limbo, when you didn't know what was going to happen, I mean, there were three, four weeks where because the first couple weeks after it happens, you're like, okay, Big 12 is going to die. Everybody's going to go elsewhere. We're going to Pac-12, Big 10, ACC, where are we going? And then you realize that's not happening. There were a couple of weeks in there, two or three weeks where it's like, this could be really bad. We, We could end up with eight. And that could be a big, big problem. Uh, So, you know, might not have been plan A, but getting these four schools into the Big 12, uh, certainly better than nothing. And the uncertainty of not knowing what was happening, I think was driving everyone nuts. And that's something that Weiberg kind of talked about. It was nice to just know okay, we've got something going forward. We don't know exactly what it is. We don't know exactly how great it'll be. We don't know exactly what the TV contracts will be, but we've got something solid in place moving forward. So, uh, yeah, I I couldn't agree more. The uncertainty is what was driving everyone crazy, so it's nice to know at least what's happening, even if it wasn't your first choice.
1: Yeah, and I, I can't imagine a more tumultuous beginning to a new role than what Chad Weiberg's had to deal with. in, in the, Within the first month, he finds out OU and Texas are leaving the conference. Then he's scrambling to figure out what the future of Oklahoma State's going to hold. That's a $20 million a year windfall that they would be losing with, with OU and Texas leaving the conference. It's just, I can't imagine the level of stress and uh, the amount of, you, you mentioned Midnight Oil, how much Midnight Oil he's been burning trying to figure out what's going to happen with Oklahoma State. But he is right. <clears throat> it does provide stability, at least in the short term, and you know, and I've talked a lot about I don't think this is the way it's going to be for a long time for the foreseeable future. It's just a good holdover. But the thing I th- found most interesting, Colby, was, you know, the West End Zone wasn't built that long ago, but he's already talking about the Regents have already announced they're going to be able to move forward with uh, renovations to the football stadium. It's going to imp- impact the locker room, he says. It's time for an upgrade there it's been well taken care of and it's being used and, and worn and things changed. We need to keep up with the time. So they're going to do a remodel and, uh, and they'll work on some of the recruiting aspects in the West end zone. So it's just the arms race continues, Colby. You know, I remember when they built the West end zone, we all do. And it was, you know, one of the best in the country and it's already time for upgrades and just,
0: you, you got to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the West end Zone's not real old, but it's not brand new either. And in modern college football, I mean, stuff is constantly being updated. Facilities around the country are getting so, so good. If you're not doing anything, if you're standing still, you're getting passed. So it's a good, good thing to see that they're upgrading everything, upgrading some of the recruiting areas uh, as well as the West End Zone, just kind of modernizing everything. Uh, locker room will get a little bit of a facelift as well. It's, I mean, the locker room very nice, but it's like Whiteberg said, it's just – things get worn, things get used, and you just need a little remodel. So they'll do that and then dump some money into the wrestling locker room, which is long overdue for that program. So uh, hopefully all these different things can get Oklahoma State wrestling back where it should be as well, which is hoisting national championship trophies. By the way, I saw AJ Ferrari at the Oklahoma State-Missouri State game in the West End Zone, and it was at halftime, and the line to take pictures with this guy was long. He stood there all of halftime and gladly just one after the other. Kids, grown, grown adults, just rifled them all in, taking pictures with everybody in the West End Zone. AJ Ferrari is a legit celebrity in Stillwater.
1: Did he have his shirt on?
0: Uh, he had his shirt on, but his shirt was two sizes too small, uh, and there was not a ton going on with the uh, material in the shoulder and pec area, so good for him. <laughs>
1: well, that's what happens when you have a 665-pound deadlift. You're, uh, hey! it's, just, it's just hard to find a shirt that fits when you're that you are that muscled up. I, I, I can't relate, but I can certainly understand his, why his shirt was too small. But that guy is – a superstar already not only just in the sport of wrestling but he he's gonna have so many opportunities when his collegiate wrestling career is over he can you know he has a lot of friends in the ufc him and jorge masvidal one of the top fighters in the ufc are buddies he he might go that route he might go wwe we just saw that wrestler that won a gold medal in the olympics who wrestled i believe at arizona state just signed with wwe i mean aj ferrari could be the next big, big thing in both of those, those sports. I'm, I'm, I'm so excited, but he's got a long way to go. And at OSU too, which is exciting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I can't wait to watch him uh, grow up in Stillwater and then go be a pro somewhere. Cause he's just, he's got the charisma. He's got the entertainment factor. He's going to be a star.
1: Absolutely. Well, let's get into uh, Oklahoma state and Boise state. Uh, Colby, one of the top games in the, in the country really this week, eight uh, o'clock kick in Boise. OSU and uh, let's see here. Kyle Boone wrote uh, 10 things to know about the game. I kind of wanted to go through these pretty quickly and just get your thoughts. And uh, they've only played one time and that was the 2018 game uh, because they scheduled a home and home that was scheduled in 2013. And to me, Colby, the 2018 game sets up pretty similarly. I believe OSU was kind of reeling coming into that Boise state game or we didn't think they were that very good. And they put a whooping on Boise state them 44 to 21. And uh, so, yeah, that's, it's interesting. They don't have much history, but we do have some recent history.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It was uh, I mean, I vaguely remember that game. It was a good day to be in Stillwater. It was a lot of fun for Oklahoma state. I don't know, Carson, I don't see 44 really being in the cards this weekend.
1: Uh, no, I, I don't at all. Um, <laughs> that would be, uh, a shock. I think there would have to be some some turnovers and, and defense leading to points for that. Uh, number two, OSU's never played a game in the state of Idaho. That that, pro- that goes without saying. Um, in the two non-conference games, OSU has not yet allowed a single point in the first quarter of this season. Boise has scored 14 and 10 points in the first quarters of their games against UCF and UTEP, respectively. I think that's a huge, huge factor, Colby. Anytime you go on the road, you, know, you just think back to the OU game, how quickly OU jumped on them in the first quarter. Uh, the defense didn't play well to start that game. The offense was going three and out. Things can, can snowball in a night atmosphere, hostile environment. I really do think that first quarter will play large, and it has played large so far for Boise State and yeah, OSU. I-
0: I'm really curious to see what happens with the scheme if Oklahoma State does go down early. If Oklahoma State's down 14-0 at the end of the first quarter, I mean, at that point, do you just open it up and let it fly? I mean, do we see one of those games where Spencer Sanders, and there haven't been very many of these, but one of those games where Spencer Sanders just throws it 40 times? Because um, I don't know if that's really comfortable for Oklahoma State. I think you really need to keep this game close throughout. I mean, Vegas has it close. The, the line I've been watching all week has been weird. It was five and a half earlier in the week. It's all the way down to three now. So it's moved two and a half points, almost a full field goal in Oklahoma State's direction. And I'm I'm trying to put the pieces together there, but that's giving me a little hesitation before I make a prediction.
1: Yeah, that's certainly telling. Um, and again, I, I would certainly understand why. I mean, Boise State, when they step up to power five foes, they, they typically struggle. Um, so that's that's interesting that the, that the line's moving. That's certainly a good sign for OSU's chances, I would think. Uh, Mike Gundy is one and zero all time against the Mountain West, which was the Boise game in 2018. And this is an interesting number, and really kind of shows you how successful Mike Gundy's been over his, his time. Is against non-power Fives, Mike Gundy is 39 and four in his career, and he's 57 and 12 all time in all non-conference games. Now they haven't exactly played a Murderer's Row in non-conference games, but that shows you that he's he's been pretty strong leading into uh, to conference play.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, Oklahoma State's been dominant against teams at lower levels. And, I mean, I think a couple of bad weeks to start the season has maybe – skewed the outlook a little bit, and, and rightfully so. I mean, you beat Missouri State by a touchdown, you beat Tulsa by five, that should skew the outlook a little bit. But Oklahoma State's still been very dominant in non-conference, and I think that there is a chance that Oklahoma State could win this game this weekend. I, I certainly think it'll be a close game. Uh, I mean, some, some people were, we were tagged in some tweets last night. Uh, I don't feel like the feeling amongst Oklahoma State fans is a very good one right now. I feel like it's pretty negative, but I don't see this game getting out of hand on either side. I think either way, we're in a situation where seven or eight minutes left in the fourth quarter, either team can win. Do you, do you feel like this could get out of hand either way?
1: I do. You I, I kind of see it going out of hand one way or the other is kind of how I view it. I just okay. think both defenses are very opportunistic. I mean, uh, which I'll uh, the next stat I have kind of backs that up. I just think I just think it's going to be kind of a wild night where there's going to be big, big swings, and I think once it swings in one team's direction, it could snowball. Whether that's OSU or Boise remains to be seen. But to that point, I mean, OSU's defense. Uh, let's see here. Uh, let's say okay, yeah, Mike Gundy, since he took over in 2005, OSU is 41 and three in games in which they did not commit a turnover. Since 2008, they're 64 and eight when winning the turnover battle, which is great but we all know the issue Spencer Sanders had with turnovers. And how about this, Colby? Boise State is number two in the country in turnover margin to this point in the season. They've forced a ton of turnovers. Let's see here. They have forced uh, five interceptions. They've gained eight turnovers. And uh, their margin is, is second in the country. So that, that tells you how opportunistic Boise's been. And I don't think that's a great... That's a great matchup for what we've seen from from Spencer Sanders throughout his career.
0: Yeah, you could be right. I think Oklahoma State will lean more on Spencer's legs this weekend. If they don't, then I just, I don't even know what we're doing at this point if they <laughs> don't. Uh, I mean, the, the rushing has been poor. Carson, as poor as the rushing has been, would it surprise you to know that Oklahoma State is rushing for a half yard more per carry than Boise State is? That would shock me. Oklahoma State is rushing for 2.7 yards per carry through two games. Boise State has 63 attempts for 141 yards. They're rushing for 2.2 yards per carry, so I know things are not good for Oklahoma State's running game, but it's not like Boise's going to be able to line up and control time of possession and shove it down Oklahoma State's throat either. Boise can't run the ball either, so I think we could get into a situation where Oklahoma State allows Spencer to use his legs more and actually helps Oklahoma State in that department, and I don't know that Boise's quarterback can move, so I think Boise is going to have to really air it out. I think on the Boise side we're going to see much more of an air attack and I think Oklahoma State's going to run it a lot more and especially a lot more with Spencer.
1: That's a surprising stat and I, again I, I do think the long run that that Sanders had uh, kind of masks that yards per carry total and look one of those runs was designed one of them was just a broken play where Sanders was an athlete and and you're so right I think There's been a lot of talk from from Mike uh, this week about Spencer's running ability. He knows, he has to know that they have to run him. They can't be afraid anymore of him getting hurt because the only way this offense is going to be successful is to utilize his best strength, which is his athleticism, his running ability, things of that nature. But as much as Boise hasn't been able to run, they've been one of the best passing teams in the country. Their, Their quarterback has thrown for 600 yards through two games. And so there's going to be a lot of pressure on the OSU secondary, but I think, I think their success through the air and really their, their short passing game too, as an extension, they, they've done a lot better job in my opinion, based on what I've seen of using their receivers as, as a virtual running game, which Oklahoma state, I think has to do as well. So I, that's interesting though. Those numbers you brought up are, are certainly fascinating.
0: Uh, OSU's defense. is I was, forced it. I was really a- surprised to see that Boise was poor rushing the ball through two games than Oklahoma state.
1: It's hard to fathom. Um, it just, it appears that their passing game is more reliable than, than Oklahoma State's is to this point, but who knows? Maybe, maybe Sanders needs to get up to the, the Pacific Northwest again, Colby. You know, his, his best game of his career still is his first career game against Oregon State.
0: Oh, that's so bad. I, I don't know if that says more about Spencer or the coaching staff or Oregon State. I don't even know who that says more about, but that was definitely his best game. He played that game and we're like, oh, this guy's like Zach Robinson, but better. Now it's been two and a half years, and we're like, oh, where'd that guy go? I mean, I would encourage
1: anyone listening to this, go cue up those highlights from that Oregon State game. Where has this guy gone? I mean, he ran for over 100 yards. He was pure electricity, and he was, th- he was making throws from hash mark to the other hash mark. Like He was making some NFL legit throws to where I was like, why in the hell was this guy not playing over corndog last year when they were winning six games in the regular season? It's just it's crazy the lack of development we've seen because he showed it in his first game, just how great he can be and just what all the things he puts on the table and just really just how electric he can be. I don't I don't know, man. It's, a, it's his career has been completely and totally baffling to me.
0: Uh, Yeah, it hadn't made any sense. I mean, literally game one right out of the gate. We're like, oh my gosh, we had a year of corn dog and we had this guy. We We had a star on the bench and then it's just kind of been steady regression as a passer. And I don't know what to make of it. I don't know if his confidence has been shot. I mean, he certainly doesn't look like he's freely slinging it, but I don't know if it's been his confidence is shot or if the Play calling has gotten worse. Let's remember, this is not the same offensive staff that Spencer was under whenever he first got to Oklahoma State. I mean, is is it that simple? Is that is that simplifying it too much?
1: I don't think so. I think that's fair.
0: I mean, that's – again, I, I think that's another big knock against this offensive coaching staff because Spencer has regressed as a passer, um, and if he doesn't make a, a big bounce back this season, then – I mean, when's it going to happen? If it doesn't happen this season, it's not going to happen, and they're going to have to move on because uh, this offense scoring these amounts of points against inferior opponents, that's not sustainable in Stillwater, a place that's been used to great offense for more than a decade.
1: Yep, totally. And this this team now has become, you know, led by its defense, and they have held their opponents to a uh, below a 50% conversion rate on third downs in 13 straight games. I mean, Oklahoma State Colby is so good on third down. They – led the country last year. They're picking up right where they left off. And this is a reason for optimism in this game, is the, their ability to get off the field on third down because Boise is converting at just 34%, 34.6% uh, on the season, while well, she's defense on the season is allowing a conversion rate of just 32%. So those two things meet. It sure seems like they can, they can find ways to, to slow down Boise's offense and get off the field and give the ball back to their offense.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. Oklahoma State uh, defensively will be able to hang in this game. And Oklahoma State has forced 12 turnovers in its last six games. That, uh, that bodes well because that's how you beat a team on the road when you're an underdog. You force turnovers. Boise's turned it over one time in each of their first two games. It was an interception against UCF, and then they lost a fumble against, uh, against whoever they put. UTIP. they played last week. They lost a fumble. So only one turnover in each game. But if they are unable to run the ball, Then all of a sudden, Oklahoma State could get in a position where the pass rushers could pin their ears back, and we know the guys on the back end can play. We trust Colby Arvell Peel, Trey Sterling, Jark Bernard Converse. I'm starting to trust Christian Holmes a little bit. I think he's been good in the first couple games of the season. Last week, he had a play in the back right corner of the end zone where he just hurt his arm and come off the field making a nice open field tackle, and then he comes back out with a hurt arm, and he reaches up and deflects one in the back right corner of the end zone, so I'm starting to get more comfortable and confident in Christian Holmes and Tanner McAllister, the linebacker obviously are great so I actually I don't hate the matchup for Oklahoma State because I think that a team that can't run the ball but can throw it kind of plays into Oklahoma State's strength with having such a good secondary
1: that's true I, I really liked I'm with you man I think Holmes has played really well so far this season he had that that fade route you mentioned that he covered really well The the diving pass breakup like dove over the guy in the midair was, yeah. was impressive I mean he's he's really played well um so that Again, that's that's why you would be picking Oklahoma State in this game. Is their defense's ability to, to lock people up, and then you just hope that the offense is able to, you know, do their thing and at least get some sort of offense. And I think one reason for optimism on that side is the play of Jalen Warren. He's scored a rushing touchdown in each of his last three games. He has a knack for the end zone. That touchdown run he had was just crazy. That was and i don't I don't mean to use these, this term lightly I mean I don't he's not Barry Sanders but that was Barry like the way he was able to stop on a dime cut back the other way and really see lanes that don't even exist and go untouched by fooling really like eight or nine defenders was was really impressive and I think I think he's making a case to be to be RB1 Colby
0: yeah was it Marshall Scott on pistols firing that called him scoring Warren he uh, scored a touchdown against Tulsa, scored one against Missouri State. I guess he scored one in his last game with Utah State. So he just has a knack for finding the end zone. And I do think that it's, not you know, coming into the season, I very much thought after last year, okay, it's LD Brown, and then we'll see what happens behind him. I no longer feel that way through two games. I think it's very much LD Brown and Jalen Warren are a one-two punch. Uh, and then I think Desmond Jackson and Dominic Richardson will both get carries. That's um, kind of change of pace. Just get somebody else out there. And if somebody stays hot, ride the hot hand last week Desmond Jackson and Dominic Warren combined for uh pardon me on the season Desmond Jackson and Dominic Richardson have combined for 10 carries whereas LD and Jalen Warren have combined for 44 so it's clear those two guys rate higher on the depth chart for the coaching staff but I wouldn't be surprised to see Dominic Richardson get a little more run moving forward I thought he did some nice things on his few touches last week
1: I did too I I'm I mean they're the coaches watch practice I understand those things I just I've liked what I've seen from him so far and I want to see him get more carries and I I would be totally fine if he got a few of LD Brown's frankly I mean LD Brown has not played that well this season I know the offensive line's a big part of that but I just Dominic Richardson comes in runs for 13 yard run the longest of the season and we don't see him again I just to me there's been no flow at all in terms of the running back room it's kind of just we'll throw this guy out there for this series and regardless of what plays are called we're just going to throw this guy out like they need to scheme who's in there and why and and really utilize that i think that's been an issue as well just the the personnel to me hasn't really matched some of the game plan and that's that's been a big problem uh let's see here i went on saturday would give osu a 3-0 start for the fifth straight year and the 12th time under mike gundy and, and OSU ranks 19th nationally this season with three and a half sacks per game but Boise is tied for fifth fewest sacks allowed with only one in their two games they play that that tells me Colby that they get the ball out quick and again I think there's gonna be a lot of pressure on the secondary to, to wrap up on, on some quick throws certainly downfield as well but uh, the OSU defense is, is really getting after the quarterback 19th nationally that's an impressive stat
0: yeah it is and that'll be uh, kind of strength on strength for Oklahoma State and Boise. And that's why I think it's so important to make Boise one dimensional, because if you can keep them at that two yards of carry, then all of a sudden, you know that they're going to be throwing and you can really pin your ears back and let some of these guys uh, come after the quarterback. Also, I mean, that's right up Jim Knowles alley, isn't it? That's what Jim Knowles wants to do. He wants to bring five. He wants to bring six. He wants to bring seven sometimes on third down and make the quarterback uncomfortable. And We've seen it be wildly successful in his time at Oklahoma State. You know, occasionally that's going to get you beat that's the risk that you take whenever you bring that many guys. But Oklahoma State's had a lot more success than failures with that strategy since Jim Knowles got there. So you make them one-dimensional, you make the quarterback uncomfortable, and then you try to force turnovers. Um, and I think Oklahoma State could do that. Again, Boise's only given up one sack in two games, but Oklahoma State has a pretty good pass rush. So I like their chances to, uh, to get more than one sack. If I put the sack total, the team total for sacks for Oklahoma State at – three and a half is that too big a number what's a better number three and a half or two and a half well
1: three and a half is their average so I think it's a good number
0: okay three and a half you taking the over or the under Saturday night
1: um I'm taking the under I just think I just think uh Boise's offense again the the quick passing they'll be in shotgun a lot I I just have a lot of respect for Boise's offense I do and I just I don't think they're going to be able to get after him and they've only given up one through, you know, two games. And I know she's defense is a much stiffer challenge than they faced so far, but it's not like UCF is, you know, UTEP. I mean, that's, that's a, that was a good opening uh, opponent for, for Boise. So I'll I'll go under uh, because their offensive line play has been good so far. And I just, I don't see them just lighting, lighting up the quarterback this week, but one guy who is rushing the quarterback for OSU is a walk on Ben Kapinski. He had a sack against Tulsa. There was a good article on on him in the Oklahoman by Jacob Unruh. Uh, Pretty cool. A third-year walk-on who really has stepped up in the absence. You know, Trace Ford sadly lost for the year, another 20 ACL. But it just appears that they even have walk-ons who can come in and play, and that's that's a testament to the walk-on program they have at OSU and a testament to Jim Knowles getting this kid ready to play.
0: Yeah, it's been as, as harsh as we've been on the offense. Uh, we have spent so much time focusing on that. We really probably haven't shown Jim Knowles the love that he deserves because he's been so good yep. since he got to Stillwater. And he's been he's just been good at getting the right guy in the right position at the right time. He hadn't been afraid to trust a true freshman. We saw it with Trace Ford. We're seeing it now with Colin Oliver. He's got this walk-on uh, that, that he's getting some runs. So, I mean, Jim Knowles has been – as bad as things have been on the offensive side is pretty much as good as they've been on the defensive side. I mean, I can't imagine if we were in a situation with Oklahoma state's defense five years ago, paired with Oklahoma state's offense from today. I mean, it'd be a complete disaster. Now it's not how things work. Sometimes you, your offense gets a little better. Defense gets a little worse. It's a little bit of a symbiotic relationship, but Jim Knowles deserves all the credit for the level that he's kept Oklahoma state at defensively now for two or three years.
1: Yeah. And give Mike Gundy credit for the higher. I mean, I, Yeah. Raised a lot of eyebrows hiring the Duke defensive coordinator really did. But Jim Knowles is, has really established OSU as one of the best defenses in the big 12. And you know, they're, they're, to me, they're, they're rounding into a top 25, top 20 type defense. And um, testament to that goes to Malcolm Rodriguez as well. He leads the country in tackles. We haven't talked enough about Malcolm and just, again, I've said it before, I'll say it again. He's like the most prototypical Mike Gundy football player I think I've ever seen in that. You know, he's an under-recruited two, two or three-star out of Wagner. Uh, comes in as a safety. He's a wrestler. And just under-heralded, turns into a really, really good college football player, an all-Big 12 caliber football player. And for all of our, all of our discussion about Mike Gundy's recruiting, and, and a lot of it's justified, you got to give him a lot of credit for where he sees diamonds in the rough. And Malcolm Rodriguez has just blossomed into one of the better defensive players they've had at OSU.
0: Yeah, he is, and they're going to need a big game from him uh, tomorrow night. I can see him having an impact. A couple of years ago, Oklahoma State won a game in Ames, Iowa that they had no business winning. And he had the big pick late in that game. I mean, I think that this could be kind of one of those games where somebody on that side of the ball needs to step up and make a big play. And who better than Malcolm Rodriguez? He's been an absolute stud. His teammates love him. Uh, They're overly complimentary of him on Twitter after all these games, how hard he works, how good he plays. And. He's just got a little swagger to him. that wrestler from high school is still in there. I mean, he's still a wrestler at heart. We've seen it with the uh, the hip toss of the offensive lineman a couple of weeks ago. He's not afraid to pick somebody up off their feet and then spin them to the ground. And Malcolm Rodriguez is just a ton of fun to watch. So Oklahoma State needs him to have kind of a patented Malcolm Rodriguez game tomorrow. Could him and AJ Ferrari
1: be like a tag team duo?
0: Oh, that would be so much fun. Oh, that would be, <laughs> be so awesome. much fun.
1: No, he, he has to play well. I think he, he's certainly a guy you could circle and say, this guy will, will create some havoc and, and create some turnovers uh, leading into this game. Uh, one more thing before we get to our picks, Colby, you know, Mike Gundy talk, has talked so much in post games during the week, just about how young they are at receiver. And I, I feel like I've heard him talk more about that than the fact they can't run the football, the fact their offensive line has struggled, uh, to me, he's laying, in my opinion, way too much blame on the fact they're young at receiver. And they are. They've had some missed blocks. They've had some drops. I, I certainly understand all of those things. But their young receivers have ba- have bailed out the offense this season on, on several of their touchdown plays. I mean, the list goes on and on. And so I'm a little tired of hearing about how young they are at receiver, Colby. I don't know how you feel about it.
0: Yeah, it's almost like uh, don't look over here, look over here. It's kind of a distraction method because if we're focused on how young they are at receiver, then we're not focused on the fact that the offensive line is a complete disaster again. I, I think this is distraction tactics to keep everyone from talking about the offensive line and the problems that continue to persist up front. I mean, that's where everything starts offensively, and Oklahoma State has just been bad up front for a while now, and I, I don't think young receivers are why Oklahoma State's offense is struggling. Could could you have more experience at receiver, yes. Do you need more from Brennan Presley, yes? Would you like to have Tay Martin back out there, yes? But Jaden Bray's played well. Bryson Green has played well. Uh, by the way, Carson, while it's on top of my head, I saw the replay that Caden Mc—I think it was Caden McFarland—and you were talking about on Twitter last night. Bryson uh, Green,
1: TJ Eckert, yeah,
0: TJ Eckert, TJ Eckert—they're both from Tulsa. They all run together. Yeah. Um, Bryson Green did not catch the football, Carson hundred percent he did not catch the football and they were so worried about whether his foot was in they totally negated the fact that that ball bounced off the ground like it was a tennis ball on a serve from Serena that was not a catch
1: yeah the folks in Tulsa are not happy about that and I I didn't notice it because I was so focused on the foot getting in bounds but Rashawn Woods on the sports Channel post game I was listening he he called it out right away. So he didn't catch that ball. That ball hit the ground, but nobody was paying attention to that because we were all looking at his foot. And he he was right. I hadn't seen the replay until uh, TJ posted it uh, yesterday. So that they got away with one there. They got away with one with the, the Sanders fumble as well against Tulsa, which, again, I, again, that, that's what it took to beat Tulsa. And they got their first kick return touchdown since 2014, not counting the onside that they returned. So all of that went <laughs> their way. To sneak by Tulsa by five points, which leads me to it's it's time to make our predictions. Colby, Uh, what say you? Have we've had a lot? We had all week to discuss it, all week to think about it. I know you've gone back and forth on it, but uh, how do you see this game playing out? And let's make a pick.
0: Yeah, I've, I've really struggled to make this pick. Uh, a lot of things are in play here. Oklahoma State, the line's moved almost a field goal Oklahoma State's way, which doesn't feel right, and it's got me second-guessing everything. So Oklahoma State's a three-point dog, over under 57. So essentially, Vegas has the game, Boise State 30, Oklahoma State 27. I see it a little lower scoring than that. Carson, for whatever reason, Oklahoma State has been pretty good on the road the last few years, not as great at home, weirdly, I'd Make it make sense. I don't know what to make of it. Uh, Oklahoma State's been really good against non-Power 5. And for whatever reason, when everything starts to go poorly for Oklahoma State, they win a game that you just feel like they shouldn't win. Boise State is going to become one-dimensional. Oklahoma State is going to force a couple of turnovers. Spencer Sanders is going to run the ball more than 15 times. And Oklahoma State will win the game 26-23. to 23. That is my prediction.
1: Whoa. Give me your reasoning for that.
0: Uh, I think the defense will be able to make a couple of big plays. And I think Oklahoma state just for whatever reason, they come out and they play better whenever everybody kind of doubts them. And right now everybody is just totally off the bandwagon, but also I am, I am way too invested in lines moving in Vegas Make it make sense that the line's moved almost a field goal Oklahoma State's way. There has got to be big-time smart money coming in on Oklahoma State. Now, I understand that's to cover. That's not to win the game. But rarely do you see a line move two, two two-and-a-half, almost three points now in Oklahoma State's direction. So that is a big eye-opener for me. And I just think we've made so much of how poor Oklahoma State is running the ball. Boise's even worse. Uh, I think Oklahoma State – if they run Spencer more than 15 times and have many more designed runs for him, I think we can see a little better flow with the offense. And I just have a lot of faith in Jim Knoll's defense against a one-dimensional offense that he'll be able to make the quarterback uncomfortable, force a couple of turnovers, uh, and Oklahoma State will pull out a close one. If if I'm wrong, then I will bail on the idea that this team will, uh, will continue to play better with their backs against the wall, and I'll probably pick them to lose to Kansas State next week. But for whatever reason... After going back and forth all week, I've got 26-23 Oklahoma State. What'd the line open at? I thought it opened at, like, four. Five and a half is what I – Five what and I a half? On Monday, three. I had it at five and a half. Yep. Okay. Well,
1: that's certainly interesting, and I, I think you make a great case because as I was trying to pick this game, clearly I've been leading Boise the whole time, right? And I, I totally get the same vibes that I had in 2018 – when I picked OSU to lose by two touchdowns to Boise and they ended up curb stomping Boise with, with corn ball at quarterback. And you're so right. Every time it looks like the walls are closing in on Mike Gundy and this program, they pop up and win a big game and they pop up and win big games on the road. And so all that said, I think that's what's going to happen to me. I'm going to pick Boise 35, 21 based on what I've seen through the games we've seen so far this year. I cannot pick Oklahoma State with this offense, struggling to run for two yards per carry, going on the road at night with a turnover-prone quarterback, going against a defense that is the second-best turnover margin in the country so far. Again, just two games, not a big sample size, but shows you against a team like UCF, they can turn the ball over. I just – my football logic will not allow me to pick OSU. But I say all that to say – I'm picking Boise to win 35-21, and I fully expect OSU to go win the game just because that's that's kind of what happens. But I don't have – I cannot do it based on the facts presented to me, based on my my eyeballs that I've seen. Now, maybe you're right. Maybe they're going to run Sanders and, and completely change their offense around him and put him in much better positions. Maybe the receivers will have a great game, and Jaden Bray will continue to emerge as a, a start receiver, and Brendan Presley will do what he did against Miami – Maybe all of those things will occur. But I don't trust this offensive line to, to allow that to happen. And while Boise isn't, you know the Steel curtain, they're a good football program, and they're at home tonight game. I got to pick Boise 35-21 by two touchdowns just because I, I have no faith whatsoever in this offense, scoring points. I have faith in the defense, but as we've seen, they can only hold up for so long. They, they can only do it by themselves for so long before the dam breaks. And I think that's what's going to happen late in this game. I don't think they, Boise just jumps on them and stays on them. I think they just wilt over time. And I just – I can't pick OSU, Colby. I can't do it.
0: I totally understand. Based on what we've seen the last two weeks in Stillwater, there's so much logic put into your prediction of 35-21. to 21. I uh, I do feel like – and I don't know that we're necessarily doing this. I think that we both respect the program that Boise is, but you know, I, I do think that some of the people I've seen on Twitter and stuff are making it out. Like we're headed to Tuscaloosa this week to play <laughs> Alabama. Yeah. Boise's a, a, a step up from Tulsa, just like Tulsa was a step up from Missouri state, but this is still a team that is on fairly level ground with Oklahoma state. I, I mean, Either of these teams could win 35-21, and it wouldn't surprise me. I think it will be a close game the entire way. I don't think we'll ever see a team lead by more than uh, 10, maybe 14 points. I think it'll be close most of the way, and it'll be a game played in the 20s, but I could very well be wrong. Oklahoma State could come out and make a lot of the same mistakes that they've been making, but I, for whatever reason, have faith that uh, this staff will do something differently than what they've done the first two games. and Maybe I shouldn't put my faith in this offensive staff, but I feel like it's going to look different this Saturday uh, in terms of scheme running the ball, especially with Spencer Sanders, who, by the way, I don't know if people realize this, Oklahoma State's leading rusher on the season, Spencer Sanders. More rushing yards than LD, more than Jalen Warren, more than anybody else. Spencer Sanders in one game, leading rusher on the team with 62 yards. LD has 56 yards on 24 carries. (laughs) And Jalen Warren has 46 yards on 20 carries. 2.3 a carry for both of those guys. So Spencer has to carry it at least 15 times, I think, and probably eight or nine of those need to be designed.
1: And they haven't even really asked him to run, and he leads the team in rushing. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? Yeah. wild, Absolutely. wild. No, it's a, it's a huge game for Casey Dunn. Make no mistake. They have to do things differently. Um, this is a, this is a massive game for Casey Dunn and I'm, I'm ready to see some improvement. I'm ready to see some imagination. If they're handing the ball up, up the gut twice and then throwing a fade route, well then the game's going to play out kind of how I expected, but I fully expect them to, to throw the kitchen sink. A la the Baylor and Miami games. Hopefully that's the offense we see. And look, I, I hope I'm wrong. I don't want to do a podcast. where Roshi gets beat every week. And, you know, struggles to beat Tulsa. That's that's not my idea of a good time. So I hope I'm wrong. And, uh, Colby, I hope you enjoy the game, man. It's going to be interesting.
0: Uh, uniform preview, what you got?
1: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uniforms. Well, we know what Boise's wearing. They're wearing all blue. And it's kind of more of a, a baby blue uh, than it is the uh, traditional Smurf turf blue. And one of our one of my followers, Daniel Dennis, suggested that they do a color rush matchup. Like, I wish you should go, like, all orange or all black. Oh, God. Against the all blue, which I think would look sweet. I don't know if you can go orange because Boise's field is blue and orange. That might be like too much of the same color, it like an inter squad scrimmage almost. Uh, but I wouldn't mind seeing the all black or I guess I guess the all whites is probably what they're going to wear. And that's my prediction. Justin Southwell tweeted out the the all whites with the uh, icy white Big Pete. That's my prediction. They go all white with that.
0: I already had it penciled in. I'm going all white, Carson. I think that playing on the Smurf turf, especially with Boise State going with the all blue, I think you want to go the exact opposite. They're trying to blend in as much as possible. I think you want to stand out as much as possible. Uh, Make sure that Spencer knows exactly who's running (laughs) the field and exactly who he needs to throw the ball to. So I think they're going to try to make themselves stand out as much as they can on that blue turf. I fully expect white on white on white with white shoes, just a complete whiteout for Oklahoma State. So uh, it wouldn't shock me if we're wrong and they throw an orange helmet or orange pants in there and do the other two white. But I think all white uh, is what it'll end up and that. An all-white against all-blue jersey matchup would be pretty sweet.
1: That would be awesome. I hope they do it. It's going to be fun. 8 o'clock kicking. Boise, Colby, we will get with you uh, next week, and we'll have to discuss what occurs on the Smurf turf, man. I'm looking forward to it. Me too. I hope I'm right. Go Pokes.